right, I am now joined uh, by Nando Vila, Mike Racine, and Wozni, Big Waz Lambre, uh, for uh, our first uh, Sopranos recap uh, bonus episode. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to let all the guys introduce themselves here because they're all in things. But, uh, uh, but, but I guess the one thing I do want to say right off out of the gate is that if, you know, because of what the show usually is the rest of the time, if you're expecting some sort of political uh, takeaway here, if, if you, you know, if I was doing a Marxist analysis of the Sopranos, Ben. I don't know about you. I'm doing it. The class, ana- the class breakdown of yes, the Sopranos. Of late the Tony period Kroon. capitalism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so just to head off all the winter, we're going to get to the Marxism factory. Uh, never. Right? <laughs> like this is like, we're just talking about the Sopranos. It's not that deep. I just thought it'd be a really fun thing to do and that, that these are the three guys would be most fun to do it with. So, um, Nando, you want to kick it off and introduce yourself? I'm Nando Vila. I'm the host of the Jacobin Weekends show on YouTube and co-host along with my brother Big Waz of the Woke Bros on the Counted Things Network. Yeah, I'm Waz Lambre, a.k.a. Big Waz. Um, Obviously, I do Woke Bros uh, for Counted Things with Nando, uh i also work for the athletic um i write about nba and culture as well as i do a podcast for the athletic nba shows network um and you know that's pretty much where you can find me uh i try to you know (laughs) i try to be as woke as possible and and i mean our type of woke right not like namby pamby oh my god i need safe space like it's not i don't do that type of shit at the athletic but i do try to talk about just you know just labor stuff when i can and um just you know what it means to be black as a fan as a consumer as somebody who has to you know sort of absorb sports culture that has traditionally been shaped and formed by white dudes um, mm. where like, you know, I, like an example I'm trying to use is like, I, I can remember being at home and watching those kids wear all blue paint to Duke games and being like, why the fuck would anybody want to do that? And then turning on sports and they're like, look, that's a fucking fan right there. That's fandom. And I'm like, I don't know a single person who would do that ever. Black people right? don't paint their bodies. No, for we're not yeah. just doing, they don't do that. Doing it. Listen, <laughs> I never thought of that until right now. Dude, I've never seen like I, a black just, fan and it's like a fat guy, you know, with like, no clothes like, on. Go and Jets. And it's like, yeah. they're all fat, like in the no, cold. Yeah. No, we will yeah. buy tickets. We'll watch your game on TV. We'll buy jerseys, but like, we're not doing that. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> I just, I just try to um, try to balance that sort of, mode of sports commentary on my end fair enough nice i'm a italian authenticity coordinator mike racine um <laughs> i'm genuinely five-eighths italian so i just want to make sure that uh, my people are represented authentically here and uh respectfully that's so if it. we did a sopranos podcast without an italian person on we'd get canceled you you get canceled yeah <laughs> i'm your token vicious. uh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Token Italian guy. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Mike also used to um, 
uh, I guess I'm not quite clear if it's still going or if it's on break or if it's over, uh, host a, a podcast called the sit down. Yeah, it's still, it's still on. It's still going. I just, I didn't do a couple, there's a couple episodes. Yeah. I took a couple weeks off, but, uh, we're coming back tonight. Um, oh, nice. I'm rebranding the show a little bit. It used to be about or- organized crime and, uh, I just realized I'm not very good at research and I'd rather have a more comedy focused <laughs> show as a, as a comic. Um, and I think, I think if you want to learn, I'm not the right person to, uh, teach you things. So Mike, are you from the Northeast? Yeah, I'm from Jersey. Oh, nice. South Jersey. Oh, perfect. Oh, so, uh, so you like, uh, one of those Eagles fans and stuff. Um, I'm a, I'm a Jets fan. <laughs> oh, wow. The respect. Yeah. I'm a Jets fan too, but I've noticed right. like a lot of, cause I went to Penn state and a yeah. couple of my friends from South Jersey were big Eagles fans mm-hmm. and they had the, the Eagle, the, you know, the sort of accent, the water yeah. and you know, type of shit. And, yeah, and so yeah. I, I just assume most of the South Jersey people were, were like that. Yeah. I, there's, I guess there's kind of like a divide. I don't know where the divide is, but there's a point in Jersey where, yeah, it becomes more, I live closer to Philly than I do to New York, but I always, I never liked the, I, I, like, I guess every Philly fan I ever met, I never liked. Okay. So, so, so funny you should say that, right? Um, as I'm also a Jets fan and when you're a Jets fan, you're sort of a Giants hater as yeah. well, especially when you live in New York. So I never really had any um, opinions about Eagles fans, mm. right? Like I never thought about Eagles because I was happy when they beat the Giants, but it was nothing, never anything I had to think about the Eagles at all. Yeah. And then I moved. You met some? Yes, yeah, Central yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it's funny because at Penn State, there's a bunch of Steelers fans and Eagles fans. And the yeah. Eagles who, until very recently, never won anything. Mm. Um, and were just, but they were just so fucking obnoxious. They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were horrible people. And I was like, oh, I hate yeah. the Eagles now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know forever that just felt like it was God's doing that they never won anything. Like it wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> and and Pittsburgh fans who have all this tradition and yeah. basically never sucked ever uh-huh. Uh-huh. in the yeah. history of the league. Yeah. They're like <laughs> these nice people, very regal. They they might sing their little song. They're here we go. They might do that, but they're not gonna stop in like the middle of like College Avenue like 20 people going E-L-G-L-E-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-L-E-G-
Yeah, I was, um, I was like going to Montclair State and I had a sales job. I had a door-to-door sales job that I was doing every night. I was knocking on doors and like making pretty good money for a college kid. And I, so I just kind of didn't really, uh, I, didn't, I didn't really like it. I was also, I, as I started doing stand-up um, when I went to school. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of the show takes place in Essex County. So like Newark and the suburbs of Newark. Um, so it's a little, it's maybe about like 30 miles outside of New York City. Mm. okay all right yeah. that makes sense uh because there's right because he's always going into st- you know doing stuff in newark like with zelman uh as the show goes on yeah uh, but they they seem to be you know somewhere out in deep suburban new jersey i was never right. quite clear on yeah and it's funny when you watch the meetings like i always thought this is funny about the show when tony will meet with phil or meet with johnny sack or something and they meet and they have a face-to-face meeting and it's in a park or something they say like a couple words like they both say like two sentences to each other and they get back in their cars and me i'm like that's like an hour and a half drive that you're going back to where you both live because just you know traffic in the new york metro area is like i know what those drives are like and at certain hours of the day you could be looking at maybe like two hours um yeah i don't know anything about jersey uh, all i know is uh cory booker's drug dealer friend t-bone from mm-hmm. newark mm-hmm. sounds like a bad place uh yeah you guys remember that story i yes no, a little bit. he got caught making up a fake drug dealer guy named t-bone that he really grew up with yeah and it, it doesn't like someone like started looking into it and was like you know asking like his office like okay like well, what was his name like i want to interview him and stuff and they're like, yeah, I don't remember his name or whatever. And like, they just like, they kept on like looking into it. And like a reporter basically established that it was a made up guy that Cory Booker That's never really knew funny. a drug dealer named T-Bone. And there's no such thing as a drug dealer named T-Bone. T-Bone yeah. sounds like that. If you were writing a script and you, your first draft of a drug dealer, right. that's what you would probably name him. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened. Like it was on, it was, it was looking good. I don't know what happened. No. So no, what I wanted to say was that as somebody who grew up in New York um, and had family in Jersey in Linden, New Jersey, which I don't know, is that New Jersey? That's North Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Linden, Elizabeth, Rahway, um, all of those areas. Um, I, you know, it's it, like as somebody who's only visiting for a weekend or a week during the summer vacation to spend with my cousin. Um, I don't, I don't, you don't really take in the differences and the subtleties of New Jersey, especially as a young person. Then, you know, when you get older, you have friends who move to Hoboken and gentrifying Jersey city and, and all of that type of stuff. Um, But this world of sort of suburbanite ethnic whites (laughs) in New Jersey um, is not something I'm familiar with, but it does. It seems very related to the Italian Greek, um irish kids in new york that i went to high school with you For know sure. like that grew up and basically you know two parent homes their dad had a union job was an electrician yeah yeah it's like um, queens yeah it's queens straight up that's just yeah. queens you know um so it feels very similar to that world that i was introduced to as a 14 year old yeah it's it's a, it's a fun i mean it's like it's a cool place because it's you're you're in the suburbs, but you feel like close to Manhattan, so you right. feel kind of close to where the action is. And if you want to hop on a bus or a train, you know, and go to the city, and like I did in college, like go to the city with a Mountain Dew bottle with you know rum there in you it, go. And hang out, and 
You know, and Mike, so, yeah. guess what? They call they call y'all bridge and tunnel. They call people like me and Queens bridge and tunnel. Right. You know, <laughs> that's it. Right. Yeah. It's the go. same thing. It's different bridge, different tunnel. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Queens is like full of townies in a way. You know. Yeah. One hundred fifty million. You know, I was explaining this. They're to territorial. Mando. Yeah. I was telling him on Woke Bros about how right wing native white Queens, New Yorkers are like pretty much every single white kid I went to high school with uh-huh. is a dot in the war. He's just Republican, uh-huh. right? Like it doesn't matter that their dad was in a union or right. that they themselves are in the union right now because yeah. their dad got them into that damn job, right? Like a lot of them are so freaking right wing. It's, it's, it's yeah. hilarious almost. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Uh, so in, uh, in the, uh, moving to, uh, to Montclair, when we, uh, we start out, uh, in, uh, episode season one, episode one, which is, uh, which is all we're going to get to today. Uh, we, um, Tony is, uh, is in Dr. Melfi's office. Uh, he, uh, he's staring at some tits. Staring at us. <laughs> yeah, he sees, he sees there's like a naked statue, uh, in, in the office. He perks up. like, oh. Oh, like, oh shit! Drag on the statue, <laughs> and, and then he goes into the office. And um, actually, I, I should. Uh, so this is 1999, uh, and it's a very 1999 kind of opening because when he starts monologuing about his life, I remember thinking, "It's like, oh, this is basically like the beginning of American Beauty." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, and there's there's a lot of humor about what he's going to reveal and what he's not going to reveal because he's a gangster and Dr. Melfi knows that he's a gangster. Dr. Melfi is his therapist, uh, so um, you know she's nervous that he's going to tell her something that's going to lead to her being uh, being legally required to uh, to report it. Technically, she says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and it's it's just funny because like the the um, I feel like therapy was like a newish thing. Like I mean, I know it's always been around, but like um, you know, like it was. It's kind of like the 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 first gasp of like the destigmatized mental health was like the late nineties, you know, and like now it's like now it's like hegemonic and like you know, it's like the, the, and like, it's know, the same thing wave it. as um Russell Simmons becoming a yogi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, 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 all yeah, yeah, yeah. of a piece. All of that yeah. stuff is of a piece yeah. with Hollywood yeah. type of people. Yeah. Yeah. And and you get in um in this episode, like you can really tell that it's like of that moment. When it's like, like yeah, like Nando said, you know, that, like therapy and uh, particularly like taking like psychiatric drugs is like just starting to become super common. Like everybody's remarking on it. You yeah. know, like there, there's the moment where uh, Dr. Melfi starts to prescribe him the, you know, the Prozac. It's like, ah, here it goes, the Prozac. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. I forgot that he mentions Gary Cooper in the pilot because, like, there's like one of my favorite lines, one of my favorite Sopranos lines ever is like when they're in the car. It's like, it's like Tony's. <laughs> driving and like uh, it's the, uh, so Christopher or, Colum- it's the Columbus uh, Day episode and then Chris is in the back and he's like he was gay Gary Cooper this general point about how everybody's some kind of victim and he's like oh you know what happened to the strong solid type Gary Cooper if Gary Cooper was alive today he would be you know something maybe you know black or gay or is yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> I completely missed this point. <laughs> I, and, I th- and I thought it was dope that that's the um, opening scene, too. I think they're trying to set the tone about, like, where they're trying to take the series as far yeah. as, like, getting into the mind of somebody who's a sociopath um, mm. or whatever, crazy criminal, and just, like, how just humanizing this dude. It was an easy, it's like an easy way to humanize him by having him do therapy and talk about his issue, his mommy issues and, you know, just feeling like, oh, my career, I'm not where I want to be in my career, which as a millennial, that's just like <laughs> catnip because it's like every single person that I know, it's like, oh, man, my parents, man, when they, when they was going to work, man, you could buy a house with 25 Gs and all of this. So it's like, it, it, it's a dope way to humanize somebody who, you know, it's basically a, a fucking monster. It's, it's dope. Yeah. Uh, so in, um, so as he starts talking about his life, uh, you see everybody, well, actually first, I think first you flash to when he's going out to get the paper and then he's and then he sees the ducks in the pool that the episode kind of revolves around his feelings about the ducks. This is a consistent thing throughout the show that uh i mean it's it's not subtle but it works really well that uh that tony uh is obviously uh a monster in many ways to a lot of the human beings that he interacts with but he loves animals you know ducks horses (laughs) dogs you know know, it's always funny to see like a guy like tony you know big like scary mob guy with like a thick you know italian american accent being like hey get a load of the fucking monkeys you know (laughs) like like you know you know what i mean Like, finding joy in something. Yeah, he's finding joy, but he, and like no one else is like. But he's just like the fuck it. And he like does it, and he's like reading the encyclopedia about the birds, like trying to learn about. It. He doesn't know shit about him, you know. He's just like yeah. the fucking thing trying to swim the duck. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing? The fucking duck. He's trying to swim. Right, did you watch this show in real time? Me? Yeah. Um. No. No. Because I was in like sixth grade when it came out, and we didn't have shit. HBO. Yeah. Man, what, how old was I when I came out? 1999, 1999, I would have been 12. So I was in seventh grade. But I just, yeah. I, and I think the last season happened during my senior year of high school. And okay, I just yeah, remember all of the, um, all of the, 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 the kids just being bummed out about how the, the season ended. I just, I yeah. just remember that. Um, but I think but, my mother-in-law wrote a letter to HBO and she was like, you give that man whatever he wants. You're going to make the biggest mistake you ever. Because she like thinks that people <laughs> listen to her. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but apparently so when the show ended, they had like a, uh, like a viewing in some New Jersey bar. that was like, hey, come and watch The Sopranos and we'll serve dinner. And they thought that the TV broke and they, they yeah. beat up the bartender. They were so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I remember, you know, one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had HBO at the time. But again, like nice. a lot of my class, like my teammates, because I played football and basketball, so a lot of my teammates were Italian kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember they were they, every Monday after the show was on. This is all they would talk about. But I just remember being like, I mean, come on, it's like. You know, it's HBO. This is this is a fucking Goodfellas. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, I remember thinking because it was a TV show that yeah. it couldn't really be like Scarface, like Goodfellas, like The right, Godfather, right. and just not you know. And I never gave it a chance until way later on in my life, man. Like, yeah. I, I I didn't realize that it was this 
incredible, honestly. That's why would I you say that's real-time would you say that's better than The Godfather? If you can compare the two, mm, wow. I think yeah. it's I think it's 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 in the same level as far as I'm concerned. But you, yeah. it, like one thing does everything that this show is doing in seven hours. Yeah, because obviously part three never happened. Um, but yeah. the yeah, reason yeah. why I think The Sopranos is the greatest show ever, like I love The Wire, mm. and because I think they're neck and neck. But to me, The Sopranos, especially just the family aspect, the sex, mm. drug, money, and violence that I love. And the comedy, right? And yeah. because like Tony's mentoring his 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 wife's nephew, right? Like I, I remember, it, it, um, <laughs> I remember I had basketball practice, right? And somebody died in my family in Maryland, and um, my basketball coach. I was telling, him, I was like, "Yo, I'm not gonna make practice on Sunday because I'll be in Maryland for my cousin's funeral." And I remember my coach being like, "All right, that's cool." And then he's like. You really that close to your cousin? <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, because Coach Larry, rest in peace, I remember thinking to myself, like, yo, white people really don't fuck with their cousins like that? <laughs> but then when you watch The Sopranos, it explains to you that, no, like, Italian-American culture is actually quite different from what we call white culture. Like, your mm-hmm. cousin is, like, might as well be your brother, your sister, your aunts. It's like this whole tight thing, which I'm actually used to. But again, like, when, I'm, when I met a bunch of white people at Penn State, you know, like, Appalachian white people. That's like, yeah, I don't talk yeah. with my cousin. I'm talking to my cousin. You crazy? <laughs> I was like, wow, that's interesting. But Italians are different in that way. Yeah, it's weird because I even have like, like I have cousins on the West Coast that are on my mom's side, and and th- there would be times when like I would be out on, I would be out in Portland or in in California. I'd be like, hey, we gotta like get together or something, and it just like didn't happen. We just didn't get together. <laughs> and if that was like my Italian cousin, we'd be, you know, they'd 100%. stay over, and we would make it a point. We'd go out of yeah. our way to you know, hang out. So yeah. Nando, when did you, uh, when did you start watching it? I, I started watching, like, I, I was like, I didn't watch it like, you know, episode one, 1999, yeah. but like I, I started watching it in uh, probably my senior year in high school, which was 2004, like a DVD thing, you know, like when you used to, I think I got like a DVD box set of mm. season one, like you for was Christmas rich. or shit. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, I got it for Christmas, <laughs> and then uh, and then I moved to uh, yeah. Then I went to college, and and like I kind of kept on watching it through college. And then I remember when I moved to China in two thousand eight. I like there was a there was a, a DVD store. It was actually pretty funny. Like it's a DVD store called Movie World, and then there was a place across the street called Even Better Than Movie World. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but like, and, but they sold like counterfeit DVDs. And I was so I just about the whole to ask that, but like I didn't want to be racist. I was about to say, were those really the DVDs or was it? No, no, no. This was like counterfeit <laughs> shit. And, uh, but it was like in a store, like a big store. Uh, and, and, you know, I bought like every single show that I could, you could ever imagine. It's like what, you know, I watched The Wire. I watched fucking, this is embarrassing, but The West Wing. You know, just because I have like, all these fucking box sets. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll join you in that. I used to watch The West Wing, but uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the oldest person here, but I, uh, so I, I certainly could have been watching it when it first came. Well, I couldn't have because we didn't have HBO, but um, I was like randomly. It's not TV. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I was randomly over at the um, at the at my friend Les's house, and he's the you know he was like the only person I knew who did have it, and uh, and and this was during like season three. Uh, I think it's the 
episode where Tony and Carmela go into family, you know, like couples therapy together. And, um, and, and then like, I, I got hooked on it. I'd just like start like going over to his place every like Sunday night to watch it. And like, then I eventually went back and watched like the early seasons, I guess this would have yeah. still been like VHS. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so we, uh, we see after the ducks, uh, we go into to the house. Uh, we see all the members of the family. I think the priest is also there already. Which is a different guy. It's a different yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, Did you guys notice that? Dude, they yes, fucking recast right the away, priest. Right away, yeah. I noticed um, that dude was different. And that dude is a that dude. Like, he's been, like, just a character actor in so many yeah. freaking things. I'm pretty sure I've seen him in 24. I've seen him in the other, the new priest. Of stuff. Not the old yeah, priest. Yeah, the new priest. Not the old, the new the priest. old yeah, priest. Yeah, he's I've in 24. He's also in that him. Rambo movie in Burma. Uh, <laughs> But uh, 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 it's funny, like the ongoing joke, like we were talking about, like oh, they're they're like the Godfather is like a is like a running joke in this whole episode, you know, like uh, uh, you know, Carmel and the priest talk about it. Uh, Chris Maltesante makes like a Louis Brazzi sleeps with the fishes, <laughs> and he's like, right. it's Luca Brazzi, Luca you Brazzi. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but like, and then the priest asks Carmel, he's like, well, what does he what does he rate uh, Goodfellas? And then the, the, like, it, like you get interrupted, and he can't she can't answer. It's like pretty funny, like that he you never find out. Uh, yeah which which of course thing, yeah. you have uh actually like a few characters on the sopranos uh the actors were in goodfellas uh christopher uh was yeah. spider uh he uh he gets yeah. his his foot shot uh mm-hmm. by joe pesci and and then he uh and then he ends up being uh just randomly killed uh by by pesci and like one of the best scenes for the movie just because like it's such a you realize what a casual thing it is for these guys that they're like a little yeah. disgusted by him because he randomly yeah. killed this kid and the punishment is that he has to dig his own hole. I was like, yeah. okay, whatever, you know, I've done my own hole before. Uh, and then, uh, and then Dr. Melfi was, uh, was the main character, Henry Hill's wife, uh, yeah, in, in which is, yeah. uh, which, which is kind of funny because, uh, it was a, um, it was a plot point in Goodfellas, uh, that she was Jewish, but uh, in uh, and in the Sopranos, it's a plot point that she's not because there's a line of dialogue where Tony says, "I picked you because they gave me a choice between three Jews and a paisan." Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, she uh, uh, Elaine Bracco, um, she she said that when they sent her the shit, they wanted her to read for Carmela, and she was yeah. like, "Bro, I'm just I'm off of the mob wife, the mob this." Mob, 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 but then they were like, well, we have this, um, you know, the shrink part, who's, you know, also Italian. She was like, you know what? Um, nobody's ever, and you know, it's, it's again, like when you're a black person, sort of understanding that like, there used to be these things that we associated to ethnic white people that was just, have been just absorbed into whiteness. It's like this idea that she was like, she felt it was important to play a shrink a professional, like a, a, a professional Italian person. Like that yeah. wasn't some, yeah. you know, goomba essentially. Like, Which I just, I just read for pasta lady. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was just like, yo, that's so fascinating that as an Italian American, she felt like in 1999 that she needed to be breaking down racial stereotypes. I just thought that was fascinating. I re- saw that in an interview somewhere. I just thought that was dope. And I know that the show dealt with a lot of the anti- 
defamation Italian league yeah, stuff, yeah. which again is just which hilarious. is the which is the only acceptable form of racism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't remind yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in the show, <laughs> the the Italian anti defamation thing is kind of a running joke. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a funny, there's a hilarious joke too. Like Chris in this episode, when Chris goes to kill the the Czechoslovakian guy who he keeps on calling email, uh, <laughs> and he's like, and he makes up like crack about Polacks, and the guy's like, I'm not Polish. He's like, Czechoslovakia, that's some kind of Polak, isn't it? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. And that's that, like maybe I just don't remember well enough, but I think so. There's the the Czechoslovakian guy that Christopher kills in the pork store. That's because um, there's they have like uh, a rival bid. Yeah, they're like some, underbidding them for the garbage for like the removal route, contract yeah. or something yeah. like that. And it's like yeah, oh, we can't have uh, this. and and I think they drop that pretty quickly. I don't really remember the Czechoslovakians no. coming up again, except that Christopher is like haunted later by this particular murder. Right. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> but it is it is really weird to look at how many things are uh they hadn't quite figured out of the pilot you know oh, that, that yeah. are a little bit different yeah. so uh before we started recording nando pointed out that uh gandolfini is doing tony's voice a little bit differently he like, sounds like different and he's thinner yeah it was cool <laughs> like, to see like between tony Muppet, yeah he gets like fat like for for the next episode yeah, yeah, and like there are points where it almost seems like the way he's doing the voice, like you wonder, is like, is he trying to do just a little bit of like Don Corleone in there? Like there's this point where they're in the church. It and- sounds like he's doing a line read instead of sort of being. It sounds like he's reading something because he's the way he's enunciating the words is just different from how he pronounces the words for the rest of the season. I think he's just straight up. I think he probably later on got the message like, yo, go off, just go with the guy instead of sort of trying to strictly adhere to, because again, it is the pilot and you don't really know if this shit is going to pick up. You don't know what the story's going into. Yeah. And so that's what it felt like. It's pretty clear that Tony's the boss in the pilot too, I think, because he says like, my father never reached the heights that I did and he's got the big mansion. So I think they intended for him to be the boss. And then it, later in the that, season, Mando. he's a captain. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and, and there's, the point where there's, there's even a line where they're crossing the street and, uh, and his uncle Junior, um, who, uh, by the way, it's always like a disconcerting thing for me whenever I watch early Sopranos because, uh, you know, my, my grandfather and, and, uh, and, and his brothers all like looked a little bit like uncle junior and a lot like some of the guys who'd like be hanging out with junior like at the diner but uh uh but um you know they weren't italian they're croatian but you know looks a lot like that uh but um but in any case uh junior as they cross the street says you may run north jersey but you don't run your uncle junior which definitely makes it sound like tony's somebody who somehow outranks him yeah um, and they've also, I think AJ was a lot fatter. And uh, I was shocked Christ. how fat he was. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Pillsbury. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, no fucking ZD. <laughs> 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 also, um, that that first scene with Uncle June, where you you what you just said, um, Ben, um, yeah. you may run North Jersey, but you don't run your Uncle June, like. That's him. The whole entire fucking series. The, this character is established right there. Like, 
he's constantly bitching about stuff. And although he loves Tony, he hates him. He resents him at at the same time. And, and And that's what I think, Mike, makes this show so dope is they're so good at showing this family dynamic stuff, man. Yeah. Like, they're so, they're nailing it. Where he's like, I took your bitch ass to Yankee games when yeah. you were a kid. Basically, I enriched your fucking childhood. You get to tell me what the fucking do now? Are you crazy? Yeah. You yeah. owe me, motherfucker. Yeah. So, it's so, so incredible. So we and there's also that, that, yeah, go for it. There's also that moment in season three where, uh, Tony goes to see Uncle Junior and he like gives him advice on being the boss and he goes, yeah, you, you steer the ship the best way you know how. And it's like, he's already tried to kill him at that point, you know? <laughs> but they have this nice moment together where he like yeah. gives him a little bit of advice. Also, yeah. I feel like you don't have ethnic family members if, if nobody's ever called you ungrateful for something. That is yeah. the number <laughs> one, number one yeah. critique from an older, you're just ungrateful. You're ungrateful. Yeah. You're lucky, you're entitled, you, you never grew up in a third world country, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, you're ungrateful. That's, um, yeah, yeah. That, so that's like, Junior Spoil, is yeah. nailing that for me. Yeah, yeah. so, the, so the, reason that, uh, the reason that Junior is mad at him is because uh, the Silvio Dante, who's, I guess, Tony's consigliere, he, uh, uh, he runs uh, the Bada Bing, the uh, the strip club that um, uh, where that's basically Tony's office uh, for for most of the show, um, which uh, which I guess actually in New Jersey you're not allowed to do uh, go completely topless at the same time as you serve alcohol, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. they they do you know they Weak do sauce. in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in Miami. Well, you, know, you know in Miami they don't they don't stay yeah, they don't that. play that they don't play yeah, that. yeah, yeah I yeah, lived yeah. in Miami for six and a half years I they yeah, don't yeah. play that we're gonna do a strip club we're gonna do a strip club period yeah. well there's nothing like a Jersey strip club that's like on the highway and you know you pass like a few porno stores to get there and you have to make a u-turn <laughs> yeah. on the right. and you miss it a few times <laughs> and uh yeah yeah, yeah. So Sil- Silvio has has told uh, Tony that his uh, his uncle Junior uh, was um, wants to uh, kill uh, Pussy Malenga, uh, Little Pussy, not to be confused with Big Pussy, who's actually an important what? character. Pussy is a nickname for what? Yeah, I never. <laughs> Why are there I two pussies? I don't, like how would like how would a mob guy stand for that? Like you know, <laughs> like yeah, we're gonna call you like- pussy. Maybe yeah. they both have like cats. They might be both cat people. You never uh, know. <laughs> they got nine lives. Yeah. Uh, so he wants to kill Pussy, uh, little Pussy, uh, but he's going to do it at Vesuvio's, which is yeah. uh, a restaurant that's owned by uh, Tony's high school friend, uh, Artie Bucco, who is uh, important for many ways on the show. He's basically Tony's only actual friend who's not associated in some way with the business. Um, and, uh, and so Tony first tries to, tries to get Junior to just agree to do it somewhere else. He won't. Uh, you may run North Jersey, but you don't know run your Uncle Junior. Uh, and, then, um, and then that's a big thread through the episode that he comes up with these various schemes uh, to try to, uh, to, to make sure without getting Junior to agree to do it somewhere else, that it just can't happen there. So the first, uh, the first thing he tries is, uh, is giving Artie uh, some cruise tickets. He says that in his role as business officer for the uh, dentist 
the union. dentist like uh, assistant labor union or some shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, which which is he's, great he's a labor leader he's a respected labor leader <laughs> that's where the marxist analysis of the show comes in there we go it's guys that's vicious it. anti-union propaganda uh, <laughs> no. yeah well sometimes you got to play ball yeah. <laughs> he's a labor leader <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he uh, says that in appreciation the dentists uh bought him these cruise tickets but he can't go on these days and and artie and this is very typical of the relationship going forward artie is all for it he'd love to accept some huge cruise tickets from uh tony soprano but wouldn't you know it his goddamn bitch wife won't let him you know, I used to be like on board, on, on like on board with like, man, that Charmaine Bucco, she's just such a fucking nagging bitch. And uh, but like looking back at the, she's hundred percent correct. Like you do not accept fucking free cruise tickets from the Don of New Jersey. What are you insane? Like <laughs> that shit doesn't come for free. You know, like she's hundred percent correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. She says, uh, yeah. does not the mind rebel against any scenario by which dentists are buying cruise tickets for the Don of New Jersey, which is when Artie yeah. gets to do his, but he's a respected labor <laughs> <laughs> So she says somebody lost their kneecaps for those tickets. We can't take them. So he has to come up with an excuse for Tony. He turns it down. Uh, at which point, um, having tried asking nicely and having tried this one scheme that, you know, that, that would have actually been okay. Uh, Tony defaults to the only thing that he can still think of, which is just to burn down the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, you get the insurance money, it's all good. <laughs> that that, <laughs> that is... scene that scene is amazing. The the final barbecue scene where they're all talking and like Artie Buko is like just absolutely devastated. And they were like so proud of themselves that they'd come up with this like <laughs> with this <laughs> this like they solution ruined to the this dude's like... life. And, yeah. and they're like, man, this is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like they get angry at him for being devastated. Like that's such a running through line in the Sopranos, like the sense of entitlement, victim victimhood. You know, like uh, when when Tony like ruins uh, the T3 uh, Terminator, uh, Robert Patrick's life in season whatever, like he gets angry at him for making him ruin his life. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> like, why'd you have to it's be amazing. so terrible at gambling, man? What the yeah. fuck, bro? Yeah. You ruined both uh, our lives. But yeah, Artie's, um, he's, he's a dope character too because he is just so clearly not like the other. I guess they're supposed to be the stand-in for like us, for square society, you know, like, cause, cause everybody who's in Tony's family is actually corrupted. Like from his kids to his wife, to everybody, whether it be the crime family or his actual, his mother, his sister, they're all corrupted. Um, but Artie and his family are sort of like, they're nice you know, law-abiding American citizen squares, and just Small their business owners, as as, right. as they as they say in a later season about uh, some people that they like less, they like Artie, a real uh, flag saluting motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 Artie, the the dude that's playing Artie is doing just a great performance, man. Like he's yeah. he's hilarious. He's hamming it up, but he's yeah. hilarious, dude. Yeah. But it was just getting off the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there, there's well, that funny anecdote. There's yeah. like a real, uh, you know, when David Chase, like, I guess, like, uh, when the show was like, a huge hit, he like met with some mobsters and they like, uh, you know, they talked about the show, or whatever. And they were like, uh, man, it's like the most accurate portrayal, except for one thing in the first episode, the Don, 
he never wears shorts. You know, <laughs> that was like the yeah, that yeah, was like yeah. the one inaccurate thing <laughs> is that Tony's wearing shorts in the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, which I and I just love like and then I love like Lupertazzi these like, little says unwritten rules. Yeah. Well, Carmine Lupertazzi says that to him, I think, at some point. He goes, what's this I hear about you wearing shorts at your barbecue? They wrote that in after, yeah. after Chase like, was, uh, was like, chastised That's by some hilarious. mob guys. Yeah, so, incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. But there's, like, I just love like, the, the unwritten rules that like, Italian-Americans have. I, I don't know, Mike, you, you probably, I mean, the, like, you know, the Don never wore shorts, but also like, uh, uh, Tony's mom, she's like, uh, somebody called it uh, after dark and he's like did you answer yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. no i don't answer the phone after dark and it's like, what the fuck? It's like Ma, i never understood that okay it's dark you know you don't want to go outside somebody could jump you yeah. in the shadows but yeah. the phone it's auditory yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so so tony's mother uh livia uh who uh who i guess the uh i guess david chase got the name from uh anybody's ever seen that old uh, bbc series i claudius about the uh, the Roman emperors, uh, Livia is is this like uh, is Augustus's wife, and sh- and part of the premise of the show is that like everybody who dies in some like mysterious way in Roman history, according to the show, was killed by Livia because she like poisons everybody. Mm. So she's like this, this horrible <laughs> like viper person. Um, which uh, anyway, I don't know. That's at least that's what uh, Michael Imperioli said. He thought that's where uh, Chase oh, had wow. gotten it from um so uh so in any case livia is just the most like awesomely suffocatingly joyless human being of all time she's incredible she's incredible like you know apparently that was like the genesis of the uh, david chase's idea for the show that he would like like his mom was uh, like apparently some sort of monster and he would like it was like almost like a party trick like he would like uh uh, tell stories about his mom and someone was like you know you should do a show uh, about that and like that that was like the, the germ of the idea for his friend it was like it's just it's clear you, that she I is like I find that interesting do you guys put your family business or trauma in any of your work yeah I got in trouble for it this weekend <laughs> I tweeted do? something I tweeted something about my grandmother who's like a very like mean who's who i'm i'm close with this. she's a very mean person i tweet something and she loves trump and i said somebody better go check on my evil whore of a grandmother it's like a throwaway joke and i guess they didn't i guess think my, it. They didn't think it was. i guess my uncle follows me on twitter but secretly like i don't know who he is i can't block him or anything he just like keeps tabs on me right so i got a text so he texted my brother and then he texted me and i just i apologized to like do damage control but then he went and snitched to my grandmother that I was tweeting about her. So now like there's just this big shitstorm in my family oh, because of some tweet no. that like they were never supposed to see. Mike, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I told I right before I blocked his number, I said, You're a you're a tattletale and a shit kicker. And it felt really good to like <laughs> say that to an adult, you know? <laughs> an adult. I'm thirty-three years old, but you know, yeah. <laughs> because I'm asking because like to like sort of throw your mom under the bus that way on yeah. the show with a character like this is is interesting but again like i don't boz I don't your mom think, loved you man that's like, that's, what, that's mom, what, what if it your is. mom what if your mom was a fucking monster oh man it's it's scary to think about like i, I just would but, never do that but telling someone not to talk about their family is like telling someone not to talk about where they grew up or where they went right. to school yeah, it's like it's part of your right life you know. 
You know, yeah, maybe right, you shouldn't you know. have hit me with a belt then if you don't want to be talking about it on a, <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So, um, so Tony's talking about Olivia uh, in therapy. He ends up doing this a lot. He says that uh, his, his dad was a tough guy. He ran his own crew, but Olivia wore him down to a little nub. Uh, and, and you see some of, some of that in, uh, in their interaction. Um, uh, Tony buys her a, a CD player. Like a boom box. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a boom box and like some CDs of like old records that she liked from like the sixties or something. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, she's like horribly insufferable to him. Like she always is. And then well, it's funny the that end, like yeah. you know she doesn't even grant him that because he's doing it really nice like it's like genuinely like really thoughtful thing that he did for yeah. her you know for seemingly no reason right like there was no it's not her birthday or anything like that he just like went out of his way bought a fucking boombox and got all these old r- records and CD and like at the same time that she's uh, like denying him that little you know just like th- that little ounce of gratitude she's like oh I don't want this thing like you crazy you know she's at the same time like serving him the eggplant dish that she made even though like he was like i just ate i don't want it and she like just didn't listen to him and just like cut a piece a giant piece of the eggplant thing and just like served it to him you know like it's the it's at the same time you know like you're you're denying them but you're being like this kind of overbearing nurture uh, yeah yeah it's almost like a power move when you don't let someone do nice things for you totally there's never a yeah i just kind of realized that yeah, that's a it's well, like emotional yeah, she terrorism. She doesn't, doesn't want to have to be thankful to him. She doesn't want to yeah. have to be like, oh wow, Tony, that was dope. She doesn't want any of that. She just yeah. wants to bitch. And at also, him. like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. She, you're only you only say nice things about someone that's not around. You only say, you know, yeah, yeah. Someone's around, she's constantly like, saying never... that Tony's father was a saint, and yeah. he he kind of mentions, yeah, she never, that's you know, that was she not the story that we about him. <laughs> So uh, there's uh, so he he ends up storming out the uh, uh, the one of the most memorable lines from the episode is I bought CDs for a broken record uh, <laughs> and uh, and another uh, another family drama thing that's that's going on. I mean the two the two big mob things are the deal with the Czechoslovakians uh, and uh, the. Uh, and and the Uncle Junior Vesuvio's uh, plotline, but the other big family drama plotline uh, is about uh, Tony's uh, wife Carmela uh, and their daughter Meadow. Um, and uh, I think one of the things that that did seem a little interesting along the same lines, you know, as as like the voice thing. By the way, what I was thinking with the voice was there's the scene where where Tony and Meadow are sitting in church, and he says. You know, you know, your mother thinks you could be a top student, and the way that he says it, like, is almost like is weird, right? Because he never does anything like this at any other point in the show. But like, the inflection of his voice is almost like he was trying to do like what would be like a mob guy in a video game's voice or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's also, I think, the way that you see Carmela's lifestyle here is a little bit different from what you see later on. Like she. Uh, She's taking um, she's taking cash out of like she she's got a bunch of was it like food cans or something yeah like a Campbell's soup <laughs> can yeah yeah she's got like Campbell's soup cans and she just has wads of cash in there uh, yeah. which isn't something I really remember from from later in the show and most strikingly uh, <laughs> when uh, when Meta, when um, she's sitting there you know eating popcorn with the uh, with the priest uh, and uh, and telling um, you know religion. 
uh, Carmela's, you know, flirtation, you know, with being a serious Catholic is, is a big part of the episode. Uh, when Tony is going into his MRI before they decide there's nothing physically wrong with him and send him to therapy. Uh, the last thing she says to him before he goes under is uh, the difference between us is that you're going to hell when you die. Yeah. Uh, and um, so she's sitting there eating popcorn with the priest. They have the conversation Nando quoted earlier about uh, the Godfather and Goodfellas. And then she hears a noise outside and pilot episode. I don't think you ever would have seen this at any other point in the show. Yeah. Her reaction to hearing a mysterious noise outside is to grab an AK-47 yeah. and like go out to, I guess, like shoot whoever she thinks is out there. Yeah, yeah. A little overstated. Uh, and it, and, but then it turns out it's Meadow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and that, that's what I mean about the family stuff about the show is being what, what gets me. Um, you know, and, and I don't mind sharing this with your audience, Ben, but like my mom and my sister have a very difficult relationship. Like, it's just a constant work in progress, a constant two steps forward, three steps back situation with them. So like watching that play out with those two women um, just rings true to my own life experience, right? And, the, and like the way they're doing it, the like sort of like when one is searching for the love and the affection, the other one's retreating and then vice versa, like it's always sort of misaligned mm -hmm. Um, the relate the way the relationship goes and and like the way they do it on the show with like Meadow's like she didn't even come to my game and like you know like the way they handled that was just so dope and you know besides Tony, um, my two favorite characters are Uncle June and Carmela because they just feel so full and rich and Carmela because she's so human right like she is the the nurturer of the family she is like she's holding down this whole she's making this family a family like her by herself is making it a real actual family right but at the same time she's like greedy as fuck <laughs> you know like really um covetous and just like very materialistic and in, in, in that sort of way and she's very complicit in the shit that tony does um but she's she's just my favorite character like she's just so fully drawn out and realized man and and i think you're seeing some of that in this episode like the way she is with Tony and the, the Catholic stuff and all the stuff you mentioned, like she's just a dope character. Yeah. I, and, and, I, and I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing that kind of like runs through the whole show is how, you know, like Carmela, you know, there's one point in one of the later seasons when uh, she, like there's an episode where she tries going to a therapist uh, herself. Uh, and it's this like, you know, super judgmental therapist uh, and and he's basically saying that he can't accept her as a client because she's complicit in evil, and uh, and he says, oh, and, she, and Carmela's lie is, look, I just make sure he has clean underwear, right? That's it. Uh, and and sometimes you know it it's that, uh, and it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like this is un this is unrelated to her somehow that this is just like uh, you know that 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 her husband happens to be a gangster. Well, it's also the source of tension between her and Charmaine, right? Because Charmaine used to bang Tony and, you know, and Charmaine's like more attractive. Uh, Good for Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She might and, be the most uh, attractive in the show. Yeah, definitely. Well, Adriana, Adriana is. 
Adriana's so man is nice. I'm the band. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a chick on the show I'm not into, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, as, as metal I love like Dr. Melfi, man. I got a Dr. Melfi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Even uh, Janice, you're like, I get it, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Stick a gun on my head. Well, she's into some freaky shit, dude. You know, she yeah. likes to get banged yeah, yeah, with a gun yeah, yeah, to her yeah. head. She's, she's a yeah, kinky yeah. one, that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's down for whatever, you know? Like, yeah. But, but yeah, Charmaine could have been Carmela. Like, she could have married Tony, but she didn't. She married Artie, you know, the straight and narrow guy. And and doesn't it lead the same life of luxury that Carmela does? Like, Carmela was okay with it. And, like, the implication is that Charmaine was not. And that that's why, like, there's that level of resentment between them. Um, yeah, and Charmaine yeah. does, like, uh, makes a big deal saying that she doesn't even like it that these guys patronize the restaurant uh because it it makes them look bad you know they're they're associated with criminals um which you know i, I don't know like uh I, I guess it's a moral thing because it seems like if anything that that has to be good for business but um but but yeah and then so carmela like at, at times you know she acts like all of this really has nothing to do with her at times she like really struggles with like the morality of it uh, and that, and a lot of the time she just, she's sort of sliding somewhere in between, like making these really half-assed excuses, you know, it's like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, they're like Halliburton executives in the world, you know, Tony's not that bad. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think very, um, you know, I, I think that as long as she can, she can keep it separate, you know, in her head it'll be like a relatively small thing for her, but, but uncle June's interesting, right? Like that, that's, that's the, uh, uh, that, that, that's, that's the other one. I mean, what, what do you think is like, I mean, there is something really, really compelling about, about junior, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's just uncle June is just that aggrieved. Like you, we all know this person who is just always aggrieved. Like yeah, he yeah. is the Didn't aggrieved quite make it party yeah like yeah, it, very, and it came just, up just just short just short yeah. and it's always it's one of those things where one person's success is seen as my own failure type of thing right and just like <laughs> like what i love about uncle june too is that he knew that he could bring up the idea of killing tony to tony's own mother and did yeah. it like yeah, he, she knew was what the, yeah. he knew what the, the response pilot, yeah. would be he knew yeah. it. He he knew it. He wasn't tiptoeing. He wasn't scared. Yeah, it says something it might have to be done about Tony. About Tony. Olivia kind of looks away a little bit, but she doesn't really yeah. seem to be bothered by it. <laughs> you know, Uncle June was in was in Godfather too. He was uh, he yeah, was really yeah Johnny Ola, yeah uh, Johnny Ola. But uh, I mean, you know, the 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 thing, the reason why The Sopranos uh, endures so much, and the reason why like people could still watch it and it feels relevant, is because the thing that he understood is that every single American person, like in like, you know, of a certain, like boomers forward is like the most narcissistic person to like ever walk the face of the earth. Like that's true of every single American. <laughs> you know, that that is the defining thing about American. It's like being, being an American, no matter if you're Italian or whomever. And that like everything that happens 
any, anything that happens in the world, it's, it's just like, it only me. matters to the extent that it affects me. You know, <laughs> that is like such a defining American characteristic. And it's like runs throughout the show, every single major character, like from Chris in this episode, getting mad at Artie Bucco for not really fully appreciating the sacrifice that he made by burning down <laughs> his fucking his restaurant, restaurant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just, that's just, everyone is just like self-obsessed, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's what he understood, that that's, that's what it means to be in America, uh, post boomer generation. It's just, we're all. Yeah. We're and, all just, and, and again, uh, they, they are, you know, this is made at that Prozac nation moment. Like, uh, yeah. they, so I should say that, um, early in the episode, uh, Tony and Christopher, uh, beat the shit out of this guy, uh, Mah- uh, Mahaffney. He's like an actor who's in a bunch of shit too. Yeah. He's another, that hmm. guy type yeah. of guy. He's always like a sheriff or like a middle management type. He's yeah. like that in every single thing I've ever seen him in. Yeah. Yeah. And in this particular case, uh, he works for an HMO and, and he has a gambling problem. Uh, and so that, so he owes the money, which is, which is why they run him down. And it's, it's like a really striking thing because Tony, Tony is so moody and depressed throughout this episode but the two things that give him joy in the episode are the ducks and beating this guy up. Like, uh, yeah. like, like, like he loves it. Like he's running him down with his car. Yeah, and yeah, he's he's smile a, on his a face. Time of his life. Um, yeah. And then, um, but then it turns out that Mahaffney, uh, even after they've, they've crippled him, uh, he's not going to pay them because he does not have the money. Uh, and this is also when we introduce uh, Hesh, uh, who's like the... Uh, uh, Jewish, I don't know, like semi sylvial like figure, you know, who, who's yeah. in, um, uh, who comes up a lot over the course of the rest of the show as, as an advisor and as, you know, as a associate. Uh, and, uh, and Hesh is also owed money by, by Mahaffney. And what they all end up coming up with, uh, is that, um, uh, there's the, there's a scene on the bridge where they do, they do this thing they do every once in a while that Sopranos where they'll like either threaten to kill somebody or they'll order somebody to be killed, but they're like weirdly subtle about it. Uh, like my, my all time favorite example of this was from one of like the last seasons when Christopher has made it up through the ranks a little bit and he's actually in the position to order a hit and he and like whoever he's, he's ordering to kill this guy are playing pool and he's talking about this guy owing the money and the person he's talking to says, oh, you want me to collect? And Christopher's like, nah, that ship is sale. And it's, it's kind of the- Does he say uh, final notice time or something? <laughs> oh yeah, I think he does. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and it's kind of a similar thing here. They, uh, that, that Hesh and uh, one of the other guys, I don't remember which one, take uh, Mahaffney out to the bridge. Uh, yeah. And- uh, this is the this is the other um, reference Pussy. to psychiatry suddenly being all over the place because he talks about how he's on Zoloft and it's not Prozac but it's similar and it's supposed to help him with his compulsive behavior like gambling uh, and and everybody like said sort of does chit chat for that about a minute and then they kind of subtly imply that if he doesn't go along with this scheme they're going to throw him off onto the rocks uh, and. The scheme is that because he doesn't have the money, they're going to like come up with a bunch of uh, fake accounts to, to charge for like MRIs that never happened to the HMO. So Tony's constantly scheming since he just had the MRI. You know, he thinks of this 
you know, we, we can, you know, we can make money by charging for fake MRIs. Uh, and, um, and in any case, uh, the, um, this is, this is part of a big thread going throughout the, throughout the episode because early on, uh, Tony does his rant during that beginning of American beauty sequence, uh, where he says that, uh, that, that his father, you know, he never rose to the heights that Tony did, but things were better for him back then because, you know, they had values and a sense of identity. Yeah. And he says uh, that, you know, I, I, I realized it's, it's best to come in at the beginning of something. I feel like I came in at the very end. Uh, and, and that's like kind of a running thematic thing throughout the episode, like the, uh, uh, that times are changing, that they have to get with the changing times. The mafia is no longer uh, recession proof. That's something Uncle June says at one point. <laughs> It's a great uh, '90s term too. Like that doesn't <laughs> you don't really hear anymore uh, as much because uh, now it's just the constant kind of recession. <laughs> yeah, he's, basically, he's basically comparing the mafia to the Rust Belt. It's like yeah. Yeah. this thing is over. <laughs> yeah, America, like to the end of history. Like it's yeah, just over. It, like they already got over. the sense that this was over. Yeah. Yep. You know, America is over. Uh, but yeah, the yeah no, it's yeah, uh, you got so, so think. They established that they're uh, what Christopher calls their bread and butter at one point are these garbage <laughs> routes. Uh, part of that, I think, is that, well, it, it is a well, some of the characters are trying to sell drugs in the garbage routes, but I actually remember that it comes up later that Tony doesn't like that. Right. So, so what, what's the main like? Is it just that they're, they're shaking people down for contracts? I mean, what, what's the main way they're actually making money with these garbage routes? It just feels like another union grift. Like, that's just what it is. Like, anything that the union has its hands on, whoever gets their tentacles in it first is, is going to get the money, right? Like, that's, and that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's what the whole business model was, right? Yeah. It's like, there's only so much drugs and all of that these guys want to get into, for them is just kind of like yo these are se- like what we're doing is semi-legitimate yeah, right yeah. like this this we actually do move garbage from one place yeah. to another for money <laughs> how we get our contracts might be in eh. but yeah what they just doing is real jobs <laughs> yeah they get kickbacks from like for offering the the uh, you know f- like for, from a waste management company or a construction company i mean that was like a you know, in, in the eighties and shit, like they would, they would control the union. And so the union would basically decide what, uh, like what contract what the bid was going to come yeah, in. What yeah. The bid was, yeah. And so then they would just take a cut of that and, you know, to, um, you know, and the history of how, why the labor unions got, got tied up with the mafia is an interesting one. Um, and it basically, it just has to do with like just the violence that America unleashed yeah. upon unions. And they were like, okay, well we, you know, these guys are down to, you know, wow. for a price, they're down to fight back. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story because it's yeah, like, it is. You gotta, you know, it's like you gotta play ball. It's like Jimmy Hoffa kind of understood that that you have to play their game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, actually, I have to say, you know, I, I'm sure all you guys watched uh, The Irishman, and yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I know that he 
did things that are worse than I think portrayed in that movie. But uh, but like I like really came out of the Irishman being like, oh yeah, like Jimmy Hoffa seems dude, like a, dude, like, same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he seems like, my like a pretty good yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's, yeah. totally. You know, I mean, like, like like sure, he's willing to like make some deals. Sure, with the but mafia he's, to, like, he's he's busting his ass for the right people. Strikes, and then he put but, the like, flag up when they killed Kennedy. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, there, there's a there's a documentary that came out in the 70s called Harlan County USA, which is about Harlan County in Kentucky with the coal mines. And it shows a labor struggle there. And it just shows that even as late as like the 1970s, like how violent those things were. Like the company would hire gun thugs, thugs. to go show up and like, you know, one they killed a guy. Like they killed one of the guys. Like and and you know, so the labor struggles were like incredibly violent. So the labor that was in the 70s? Yeah, in the mid 70s. Um, you should watch that. That documentary is amazing. Yeah, okay. Harlan County USA won the it won the Oscar for best documentary uh, some year, whatever it came out. Um, but it's like it's it, it's it's just it's just incredible. Like it's just a really well done thing. It totally holds up. Like it's not boring at all. Yeah. Like, um, Do you know what platform really it's on? Watching it. Yeah. It's on the Criterion channel, but uh, if you don't have that, I think right, it's never on YouTube. Mind. No, okay. it's on YouTube. Okay. Also, all right. that, that, but I don't know like what the quality is if you're into that shit. But uh, okay, yeah, Fair it's enough. on YouTube. So, um, yeah, so, there's so a story I, about Jimmy. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, there's a story about Jimmy Hoffa yeah, when he's like yeah. 16. He worked at he worked in a grocery warehouse, and there was a thing where like the conditions were really bad, and they were unloading strawberries from the trucks, and you had to bring the strawberries in in a certain amount of time. And when he was 16 years old, he like organized this thing where like everybody like put their strawberries down to yeah. s- stop the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the chain or whatever that was. Nice. So yeah, I know, Hoffa, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, so we did end up doing class struggle after all at the end of the there episode, despite what I said at the beginning of the episode. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's who we are. I know. Uh, I know Nando's got a got a hard out in just a few minutes, but uh, but real quick, um, uh, lightning round. Anything uh, anything particularly stand out about you know this episode to you uh, that uh, we haven't talked about yet? Was um. Uh, them establishing uh, Tony's just like insatiable appetite for side pieces, um, and and the the, aud- the the audacity to bring your side piece to the same to Vesuvio that yeah. you bring your wifey to, like yeah. woo! That that uh, that caught my eye really quickly. I yeah, like, wow. I I wondered about that. I was Tony, like, wow, he's he's actually to Vesuvio's where everybody sings him with Carmelo <laughs> yeah. all the time. <laughs> to me, yeah, that every time. Every time I rewatch Sopranos, thing that that always strikes out uh, is that is just how fucking funny it is. Like the oh, writing, yeah. like it's just like, like nothing today is as funny as the Sopranos, no. and like no one thinks of it as a comedy, but it absolutely like is just the funniest it's a show. Dark comedy, like sure. when, <laughs> like the like the there's the, the 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 ongoing joke of them fucking up names, like when he's like Tony's like when Carmela's like about to throw the wine in his face, and he's like, "What do I look like, Hannibal Lecter?" You know. <laughs> 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 and then she like doesn't like, like it just never addressed. It's just like he just fucked up the name, you know. Uh like it's just fucking great. Nice. Mike. Um, it was cool to see likable Tony again because I just rewatched it recently. So I've only seen the show in its entirety twice, but I watched it with uh my wife. And uh season six, the first part of season six is I think it's really kind of a I mean, in my opinion, it's maybe the weakest season. Um just because Tony gets so petty and vindictive it's not fun and, anymore, yeah, 
and yeah, he's not fun anymore. And I think they had to write him that way because too many people were like, Tony Soprano is my hero, you know? And I think <laughs> they were really trying to drive the point home that he's not a good guy. They really had to like <laughs> beat people over just, the head with just it. Just in case you missed it. Uh, yeah. Case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, fair so, enough. Uh, I think yeah. there was a lot of like, um, like I think there's a lot of like kind of uh, cliched like mob and Italian culture stuff that was in this that, that that's like really toned down by the time we get to see it to like episode two, mm-hmm. like uh, like when um, Tony shows up to Vesuvio's with Carmela. Uh, and at first I wasn't even sure if it was supposed to be Vesuvio's because like they had this greeter who has this like uh, this Italian accent, you know, it's like, oh, Signora Carmela, you know, it's like, "Eh, I don't feel like they would have done that later on in the show. So it's like this, I mean, it's great. Like, I love the episode. It's um, like, you can already see so much. It's a very good pilot, you know, like really establishes the world like perfectly but also like all the things that they tweaked like for like the beginning of the actual show were good tweaks yeah thanks so much guys uh so do this again in december for uh season one episode two 46 long there you go we'll we'll finish in 10 years yeah (laughs) all right thanks guys see you boys